This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's that man again, Cristiano Ronaldo, as his brace saves Manchester United against Atalanta. Bayern Munich and Juventus booked their places in the knockout stages, and we got so much more, including Barcelona with a good, 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 good win and a needed win. Thanks to Ansu Fati, James Bench, and Jimmy Conrad will join us as well. Kego Lasso Champions League recap begins right now. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for being part of our family. Get Golazo Champions League recap. If you're watching this on YouTube, thank you so much. We want your comments. We want your questions. We want your hot takes. James Bench is here to answer all of them. And Jimmy Conrad will hopefully join in later on as yours truly as well. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button because we're so close to 4,000 subscribers. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher as well. CBS Sports and your CBS. S sports app right then james bench how are you i'm fine i'm i'm talking to des and i think what we're just going to do is just rerun all the analysis from uh, the last man united game just do that <laughs> i Same think game over and over yeah i think that's easy enough right i think and that that will help us a lot actually uh so good call there james bench but uh as we were saying thank you so much for being part of the show everybody please make sure that you smash that like button and please keep on throwing those comments and those questions. We'd love to, even if I don't get to them, uh, our producer, Des Norris, post them up for you so everybody can see. That's if you're watching on YouTube, of course. Right then, Atalanta, Manchester United. What a game, huh? It was uh, funny because the last time Cristiano Ronaldo faced Atalanta, Duan Zapata got a brace. Ronaldo only got one, and it was the other way around this time around. As uh, you thought, Atalanta were going to get away with it. Uh, a good, strong, gritty performance. We 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 kind of thought as much being at home and Gasparini's side as they are. But there is that man again, Cristiano Ronaldo with a brace and they get that point, which keeps them top of the group, actually. And with Villarreal winning, which we'll get to in a second, uh, it saves them at a pretty good way, James Bench. How do you see this one? I mean, it's a, it's a massive point for Manchester United because otherwise they were going to they're going to Villarreal in a few weeks. I mean, God knows what that game will be like and who will be in both dugouts. But they were going there pretty much needing to win, really, or, you know, with their fate very much out of their own hands. Getting the three points or getting the point here, just the point is, you know, keeps them top of the group. I mean, you could absolutely see them blowing it from here because this can't keep happening. I know it's Cristiano Ronaldo. I know he's the greatest finisher one of the greatest finishes the world has ever seen. He keeps getting in these positions. But if you're Man United, you can't keep getting in these positions. Until Jaden Sancho and Donny van der Beek came on, the, the whole thing wasn't working. Rafa Varane's injury was pretty much the best thing that happened to them because it turns out that actually the fact that you kept Tottenham at bay when Tottenham were diabolical, one of their worst performances in years, doesn't really mean much. doesn't mean your back three system is working. It, it, it didn't work today. Paul Pogba was so poor basic defensive errors, but also, you know, the fact that we, we saw some of them result in goals, but how many times did Duvan Zapata get away down that, that inside left channel? You know, United don't, 
They only react in narrative ways. They don't react tactically. You know, this isn't a game that that comes and goes. It's just sort of they cling on in, and and then Ronaldo bails them out. It's you know, it's fantastic by Ronaldo, but everything else it just reminds you why Ole Gunnar Solskjaer isn't the man for the job. Why they probably won't win the Champions League, but narrative it's a pretty intoxicating drug in this sport yeah it is and it's very repetitive to your point they're mainly about vibes because as you mentioned Duvan Zapata was just basically being asked to just go away and just punish you on that left side and essentially uh, David De Gea got caught out and of course uh, a good by the way Duvan Zapata has scored or assisted in every game in Serie A that he has taken a part of so far and in this one he gets a goal and an assist and it began with that uh, to your point uh you know, the narrative is right there where even though the goals are coming for Manchester United, they conceded once more. And it's kind of, if you're a Man United fan, it's frustrating for you. You kind of need that goal to wake you up, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and wake the offense up. But no matter what, you're almost guaranteed that Manchester United will concede, James Bank. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know what has happened to the Harry Maguire of the Euros or the Harry Maguire of late last season, maybe still carrying that injury. It was, the thing is, it does get a bit comical and a bit farcical when you see Maguire convinced of an offside and you know it goes to VAR but it's it's all on him not really sticking on the line although Eric Bailly was was ball watching for the pass by by Palomino as well you know yeah in many ways the issue here is that the defense is not really settled either that you know changing from a three to a four consistently is going to is going to invite weaknesses actually you could see them again keep going back to that Tottenham game but you could see them when you look back you could see one pass by La Chelsea that could have ripped this team apart um the, yeah, the defence is going to keep creating problems for United. I mean, goodness knows how they're going to cope with Man City. It could be worse than a Liverpool game. You know, they are due a shellacking. This is the point. If you kind of, you know, if you're kind of living off the roll of the dice in in life, you kind of have to expect that sooner or later, after sort of rolling a load of sixes, you're going to roll a one. Um, yeah, this team is just really bad. Yeah, and they're relying once again on individual tactics. But I guess at this point, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will only care about the fact that they're topping that group. By the way, where are you watching from, everybody? Uh, James Bench is in the UK. I'm in New York. So we're international here, baby. We want to know about you. Where are you watching from? Please let us know in the comment section. Who do you support? If you're a Man United fan, uh, what do you think about today? Was it just basically a Cristiano Ronaldo uh, insurance saving, thank goodness they saved my club kind of performance. Uh, did you see a little bit more? How far will Man United go in the competition after seeing that? And by the way, we're criticizing them a lot, but they do top the group. But obviously, it gets a little trickier once they get into the knockout stages. What did you make of Atalanta, by the way? Uh, I mean, it wasn't necessarily anything we didn't suspect. I thought if you move routine ball- from Atalanta today, I yeah, think. if you move the ball quick enough you could really get at them and really punish them. Um, Bruno Fernandes showed that, but equally, I think they're such an astute, intense side. Um, I haven't seen kind of a huge amount of Duvan Zapata this season. I just haven't seen a huge amount of Atalanta. And the guy's fantastic. He keeps making the right decisions. You know, when it was the time to play the pass to Ilicic, delivered it perfectly. Um, And the way he finished that goal, like, that's one of those things that looks really easy, I suspect. But I have a feeling that if you asked a pro, getting that quick lift on it to take it over De Gea at close range, that was really good. I Yeah, I, I like them a lot, but it's going to be tough for them as well. You know, they're they're pretty much in the same boat where they're going to be reliant on, you've got to take those three points from young boys. And, and then again, for them, it will be all about, can we beat Villarreal? And uh, United will certainly be be willing them on for the next two games. 
Absolutely, because uh, Atalanta at this point have five points. They've only won once, two draws and one loss. They're going to need to pick up points, especially away from home. They can't lose at home, that's for, for sure. And they've only got two games left remaining in that one. So, But the first goal, though, was pretty good uh, for Manchester United, I thought, James. I thought it was like, why are we not seeing enough of this? You have enough talent. There was a lot of passing in the final third, penetrating the box, and the Ronaldo finish. Why are we not seeing enough of this? Manchester United. I got a few comments on my Twitter uh, when I tweeted and people were saying, oh, it's because they don't play Atalanta every week, which is a fair point. But, you know, there are teams in the Premier League that allow you to do this. Why don't they do it enough? I thought. Well, so Bruno, I mean, was it Green? I couldn't quite, never quite saw who who paid the the pass in between Bruno and uh, Ronaldo. I think it was Greenwood. But, um, you know, these when these things come off, they look effortless. But yeah. when you talk to coaches, as you and I have, you know, on this podcast elsewhere, it's not effortless. This is drilled. This is about knowing where players will be when you make that pass, when you drop into this bit of space. And I, I think, I don't really think United work on the, that sort of movement. You know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, he's not the only manager, but he trusts his players to kind of figure it out. And maybe that works when they've played a hundred odd games together. But you know, the reason we don't see it is because these players haven't played together as often as uh, as they, they used to. I mean, and that's actually why you see it quite often when you have a sort of Martial, Rashford, Fernandez, that sort, because they have played together for years. They've worked on it on the training ground. You know, for now, Ronaldo is <laughs> Ronaldo's spectacular goal scorer, but he kind of sets can set your offense out of kink a little bit. That's probably a sacrifice you, you might say is worth making in attack. But yeah, I mean, if you had you know, a coach that was drilling them on where they should be at every one time, you might see a bit more of this. And if you had more reps on the training ground, you might see a bit more of this. But I think for now, we're probably still just going to get it in flashes and we probably won't get it against City. And uh, we'll be having this discourse all over again about Oli. I can, I can hard, I can very much wait, actually. I'm getting Well, it's been it. going on for like a year and a half. So why yeah. wouldn't it continue, right? Uh, but what, it's funny, one of the criticisms about Manchester, about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, apparently internally, you know, some players losing their faith in, in Solskjaer was part of it was like, especially away from home, he never really leaves his seat. He just stays. He's not like a Pep Guardiola or even a Thomas Tuchel can sometimes be animated. He's always just a little passive letting his players do his thing. And I wonder if that was a little, you know, thing that he stole from Sir Alex Ferguson because, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson would just sit and, and watch. But I think in the early days, Sir Alex Ferguson was probably a little bit more animated. That So I wonder if that passiveness i know it's such a little tiny thing like it doesn't matter if your manager standing on the sideline screaming at you but it does sort of encourage this sort of motivational tool uh that maybe these players maybe sometimes need yeah i mean i think a lot of the time with body language things you'll end up applying to it your preconceived biases so yeah, yeah, I remember Fergie used to do that and it'd be the 93rd minute and his team would be 2-1 down and you go, why is he not doing anything? And it gave off the aura, didn't it, of, well, he knows that United are going to win. He's so, <laughs> and he's done it. He's done it. And you'd see the same thing with Arsene Wenger. It'd be like, why is he not doing any coaching? Well, he doesn't coach. And we know that, you know, for most of his Arsenal career, you're like, good on him for not really coaching and, <laughs> you know, shouting and demanding. And if Thomas Tuchel were losing five games in a row, everyone go, look at him, he's mad, he's screaming and shouting because he can't get through to them. Right. But you have to, but then you have to earn that right to, to just sit back and let it all happen and let it all flow. And I think 
right now, the players who, I mean, it's also been reported, they're not too happy with the approach to defensive work, to shape work, all these sorts of things. I think they would look at that and sort of maybe, certainly if I were a player, I'd look at that and think, you don't know how to change this, do you? Yeah. And uh, it's definitely the case defensively because obviously uh, they fell to Atalanta twice. They needed Cristiano Ronaldo to save them. But regardless, the score is 2-0 and Manchester United get a very valuable, valuable point. And with Villarreal winning uh, as well against young boys, uh, which we'll talk, uh, we don't have to talk in detail that much. That really sets it nicely for Manchester United to just make sure, just don't screw it up, Manchester United. Just keep in those top two spots. We'll see how it develops. All right, let's move on here. Barcelona needed a win. It was very tight. We knew it was going to be very tight. Things were not exactly going their way at the very beginning. The chances were not being created away from... We knew all of, we knew all of this was going to happen. If they were going to win, they were going to just about win. They weren't going to completely destroy Dinamo Kiev. But thanks to Ansu Fati and that great smash, uh, reactive smash, Barcelona win. A massive three points there, James Bench. I love that Ansu Fati goal. I've got to come off here and uh, do my goal of the day once we're done with the podcast. I mean, there's some real contenders. But, you know, what I liked about that Fati goal was it got kind of, it got taken away. It looked like it was being taken away from him. He was obviously running to Mingueza's cutback and then Dino Kiev deflection sort of puts it out of his stride and he just reacts in the perfect way, the way you would want any striker to do. Hit it, hit it on target and you'll you see what happens. He was excellent. Barcelona were, they were okay. They did enough. You know, it was, there were certainly periods where a pretty good Dinamo Kiev side pinned them back. It's a tough place to go. Dinamo have a, had an amazing record at home going into this game. Yeah. I think they'd won yeah. every I single game. I think Barcelona game. did exactly what you expect Barcelona to do in this current mm. situation. And right? I mean, if Lionel Messi was in this team and, you know, the MSN front three and and everything else was different, we would sort of be saying, well, this is, you know, this is real professional. This is what European champions do. And Barcelona aren't European champions. Yeah, but point. but in the end, you know, they, they came into these games against Dinamo knowing can't slip up, just got to get six points. And that may not be enough. You know, we'll come on to talk about Benfica. But in the end, Benfica have got a 3-0 win against Barcelona in their back pockets going into the next game. So it's, it's going to be really, really hard. They probably need a favour from Dinamo. Um but like, yeah, you've just, you've, they're doing all they can and that's all you can ask. And it, it wasn't pretty, but you're trusting young players to get these results. I thought they were, they were all Pedri, uh, Gavi as well. Really solid, smart, mature performers. Yeah. Uh, I want to just uh, maybe get an update from our producer Des. I'm not sure as we update you through this, but Serginio Des, I think uh, was injured and, and couldn't feature. He was, uh, he didn't even take one minute. So we'll have to wait. He on was on the bench though. So right. maybe not a hundred percent. Yeah. So we'll have to wait on that one. By the way, our producer Des Norris's favorite goal today was the Bonucci header. So his pick for us. We'll get what to that in a session, Des Norris. We'll get to that. But Bayern Munich are doing a favor uh, by beating Benfica, meaning that Barcelona uh, are, of course, second in Group E, and that helps him. We've got a question here from Trevor. Will it be Benfica or Barcelona who will make it to the knockout stages? Well, it's a good question. What do you say, James Menchens? We just remind everybody, by the way, that the next game is Barcelona at home to Benfica at Camp now. And then obviously there's a few games in between that. And then Barcelona has to travel to Bayern Munich. So right. what do you think? 
Well, I see what you've done there. You tried to make me answer this first, and I will. <laughs> I and then I'll make it. you answer it. But um, look, in the end, 3-0 is a huge scoreline to overturn. Um, I would assume that they will not beat Bayern. So you basically have to win by more than three goals. Therefore, I think it's probably Benfica that are going through. I think as long as they do the job against Dinamo, and I think they will, you kind of got to look at the maths and say it's it's probably going to be Benfica. I think Barca maybe win 1-0. It's not going to be enough. It's going to be difficult, and we'll see if Xavi indeed enters this one. Uh, but, you know, our you know our Jimmy Conrad did say he didn't predict Barcelona to get out of the knocker stages, and it could very well happen as Group E has Bayern, Barcelona, Benfica, and Dynamo Kiev uh, in that one. Get in the comment section and tell us where you're watching once again. And please uh, let us know if you're a Barcelona fan, if you are a Man United fan, any fan. We'd love to hear from you, by the way. And we want to hear from you uh, on the comment section. It's a blank canvas. Paint it with your hot takes, your questions for James Bench, complaints, shout outs. And while you're there, click on that subscribe button. We're going to take a quick break. And by the way, before I do that, is that apparently Desta... He was meant to start, but wasn't 100%. So there you go. He, that's why he was on the bench. So fit enough to be on the bench, but not fit enough to start. So that should be a little bit of a relief for Greg Berhalter as the USMNT get ready next week. If you're listening to this on podcast, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, but on YouTube Live right here, that literally means half a millisecond. And we'll be right back with James Bench and hopefully Jimmy Conrad match later on. We will be back with Kegolasso Champions League match day for recap. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, everybody. I told you we'll be back and we're right here. Don't be shy. Get into that mix in the comment section. We want to hear from you. And let's quickly talk about Bayern Munich. Robert Lewandowski, James Bench. He keeps on delivering. I believe he becomes a top scorer for Bayern Munich in European competition. He scored a hat-trick today. Bayern win 5 Two, Sergio Gnabry got a goal. Leroy Sané got a goal. I mean, Bayern, unstoppable. How high do you rate them, by the way, in winning the whole thing right now? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, Lewandowski, probably a bit disappointing with that performance because he did miss a penalty and it was a rubbish penalty. <laughs> it was diabolical. Could have had four. But Only Lewandowski scores a hat-trick, misses a penalty, and he, like, you know, he, he would be kicking himself. You're right. He I bet he will be. I'm sure he will be. That's, you know, that's a measure of the player. So that attack is phenomenal. Remember that Musiala and Muller were on the bench. He went uh, at three behind um, uh, behind of Coman, who who really lit the game up early on. Nabri, lovely back heel goal. Sane's goal, I thought, was the pick of the bunch in that game. Yeah, it was beautiful. But 
and this is happening a fair bit under Nagelsmann, you can get through this defence quite quickly and quite rapidly. And we did see that. Um, obviously, Benfica scored the second half goal. Uh, you'll have to remind me who scored that. But there was also the... Um, there was also well, Darwin Nunez scored the goal in the second half in the 74th yes. minute. And then Morato scored in the 36th. But they were 2-1. It was 2-1 at one point. And I mean, and they they, they were millimetres away from taking the lead when Pizzi mm. had had the ball across goal and VAR kind of came to their rescue. And that, that Nunez goal was kind of a quite a straight counter-attack. We've seen this with against Gladbach. We've seen this in, in some Bundesliga games. You know, they will they will chase goals and perhaps they, sometimes they will just, in the knockout stages, they will just go 4-2 and it will be fine. But they will give their opponents chances and I wonder if, uh, I wonder if that, that might just give, you know, when it comes to the biggest games we saw last season with Chelsea, you know, I know it's a cliche, but it, it exists for a reason. Defence wins championships and right now I don't think Bayern's is quite champ. It, it could be, but it, it's well, not quite Man City or Liverpool level. I think it's fair to say, and Trevor, thank you for your comment. First time in a while. Oh, you got rid of it, Desnars, but I think it was first time in a row. Thank you very much. Uh, you put uh, Conan Gnabry and uh, Sané in that trio. Quite a terrifying trio for uh, the defense's opponents. Absolutely correct. But, you know, there's a point here, James Bench, because when you look at Group E, right, with all due respect to Barcelona of this season, they really didn't put up a fight. Benfica, once again, and Dinamo Kiev, they haven't really been tested yet in the Champions League. A few are thinking that Bayern are the favorites to win. I They're definitely a top three for me. I would mm. go as high as one or two. But I want to see what happens in the knockout stages because they secured it, obviously, getting four wins from four. Who would be the biggest uh, threat, I guess, to Bayern Munich when we think about it overall? Obviously, the others, the only two teams that have qualified for the knockout stages are Bayern and Juventus right now. When you look at your Man Cities or even PSG, if they get their act together, Chelsea, of course, who would be the biggest threat to Bayern, do you think? Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm edging towards City being the team for the Champions League. The defence still looks really strong. I mean, on paper, you would say Chelsea, but that defence has creaked a little bit over recent weeks and recent months. But those are the two. I think it's got to be a team that can hold Bayern to three goals on aggregate, and that's a tough ask. Um, I mean, I agree completely with you, uh, Luis Dea. For me, they're top three. I have it as um, Man City, Liverpool, Bayern. My order on that kind of changes match day by match day. But, you know, they, they're they showing me everything on a week-in, week-out basis. They've got the attacking firepower. They've possibly got the defence. Bayern's is great on paper as well, you know. Sula, Upamecano, Davies, there's a bit of everything there. So it's not it doesn't, it doesn't take much improvement at that end for you to sort of say, yeah, they, they're going to be the ones. Yeah, there's teams like Man City and Liverpool and Ajax who have been great in the Champions League. They've scored some goals, 11, but Bayern Munich puts them all away with 17 right now. And they've only conceded two, so they're doing it on both sides. But it'll be interesting to see now that they don't need to really worry about qualifying for the knockout stage. Although, you know, I'm sure because of Nagelsmann, they're going to want to top that group regarding. Uh, we'll see how they keep developing. Who, by the way, do you think... Drop a comment there. Who do you think will win the Champions League after you keep seeing now the end of match day four? We'd love uh, to hear from you. Just put down the team in the comment section. That's all we want. All right. Let's uh, listen. I want to ask you something. It's not in the breakdown here from from Des Norris, but very quickly as we just give me your thoughts a little bit on Wednesday for a second, uh, specifically the Premier League teams, Man City, uh, 
uh, they have to rebound a little bit, I guess, from the Crystal Palace loss as they fell as they face Brugge and Liverpool hosting Atletico Madrid as well. How do you see those two? Yeah, I mean, for Man City, that'll be fine. You know, I thought Brugge have given a good account of themselves in the group stage, but almost the problem is they did so well that Man City were like, oh, we better take this lot seriously and very much took them seriously. It kind of just feels like which forward is kind of going to have his party game. Liverpool, I think they have the highest ceiling of any team in Europe. Um, and I think that spectacular attacking force, 45 goals in 15 games, you know, they will score goals. What I want to see, and we saw this with Brighton, we saw this with AC Milan, you could argue we saw this with Man City, and especially we saw this with Atleti. Can they actually really kill off games? or Do, right. do, they, do they need to blow a lead completely for it, this to just sort of sink in? It is becoming a, a strange tendency where they can run into pretty comfortable 2-0 leads and where a team like City or a team like maybe Bayern could just shut this game down. Liverpool just whether it, I don't I don't quite know how to explain it, but they do let teams back into games. And you know, again, when we're thinking about what what that will mean in the knockout stages, you know, you switch off for ten minutes. Whoever you, you're, you're playing, we've seen this with Man United. If you switch off against the top tier opponent, they'll just punish you with one chance. I think with Liverpool, it's probably just that they need it to go badly wants to learn not to make that mistake again but yeah I, I'm intrigued by that by whether we we see a bit of that against Atletico who who if they sniff blood in the water they're like they're like sharks yeah which is kind of what AC Milan did in the first half against yeah. Liverpool at Anfield so you know obviously they couldn't remain doing it for 90 minutes uh we're still waiting for Jimmy Conrad he should come on because we do have a segment about Americans uh in action or Americans not in action as well uh for the Champions League so I wanted to just jump to the roundup as, uh, you know, Juventus also book a place in the knockout state. It's funny, James, we've been going on and on about Juventus and Serie A, and obviously they are struggling, but Champions League, there you have it. Is that because, do you think more of the group or is it because they got there? I mean, they did get a good win against Chelsea, even though it was an ugly win, though, right? What do you make of Juventus as they uh, soundly beat Zenit? Very good goal from Chiesa. Oh, and there's some some lovely other goals. And as Des Des Norris says, that Bonucci uh, that Bonucci yeah. own goal was maybe the pick of the bunch. Yeah, it's hard to. I think I think Zenit are a much better team than they've got credit for, and that even their points tally suggests, and that even the result today suggests. You know that they make some good chances, and uh, they, in the earlier games they pushed Juve and Chelsea hard. So I don't think it's that much of a gimme group aside from Malmo. Who, yeah, thanks for being here, Malmo. Um, <laughs> pretty much it. Yeah. I, d I don't know. I was sure I, 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 you can't, you can't keep switching it on and off. You you know, eventually if you don't pick it up in Serie A, it will start seeping into your uh, Champions League form. But I guess they don't kind of need to worry too much about that now. Chelsea up next, get the point. Um, and then Allegri can just, you know, rotate and almost kind of tank that final game. Um, yeah, it's curious. I don't know why they can't just play like that against, you know, a Sassuolo or an Empoli. Right. Um, I, I really like what McKenney did. He brought some verticality, some pace. I know we'll come to talk about the US players, but I thought he had a, a really nice game, actually. They're still struggling for the right pairing in midfield, but it's good to see that, you know, individuals working out, even if the system isn't look quite there yet. Yeah, Weston McKinney has really, uh, you know, prompted to being uh, a reliable player for Max Allegri ever since uh, that controversy as well with the USMNT and, you know, doing 
things in the hotel room. I don't know. Let's uh, let's keep moving here. But by the way, that group page is a reminder. Desnores did put it up, but Juventus and Chelsea lead that group. Uh, Sevilla, by the way, they did start with a lead, one nothing, and then Lille came back and won it. Lille winning 2-1 in that one. Did you see much of that one? There's a lot of games going on, everybody, by the way. But uh, Lucas Ocampos got the start, and then the Canadian, Jonathan David, David with a penalty, and then uh, Ikone got the winner. Everything pretty much happened in the first uh, 10, 11 minutes of the second half. So Lille gets that win. Very big win for Lille in that one. Yeah, huge. I mean, you know, go, if we look at the the Wolfsburg-Salzburg game at the same time as well, that, that group has sort of, you know, turned on its head now. And Lille, I thought, I mean, I really like what Jonathan David's doing. I thought that penalty was wonderful in that he didn't hit that too hard and it gave Bono a chance. And he must have been yeah. thinking, am I going to do this? He must be thinking, in the name of love, you know, what more do I have to He's do? He's a good finisher, Jonathan David. Uh, but there's the, there's the group right there. Salzburg was seven points. Lille, five. Wolfsburg, five. Sevilla, three. Uh, you know, it's uh, very everyone's, tight. Everyone's in that. You know, look, you'd think that Sevilla uh, have fallen away, but they will kind of look at Salzburg and think if we can, you know, they're a team that they can intimidate. I did feel like, you know, I watched a lot of the Salzburg-Wolfsburg game. I pretty much watched that from start to finish. And so what do you think? I The thing is, they, they, they play wonderful, fearless football because Salzburg are young, energetic, talent everywhere on the pitch. But also, because they're fearless, they sometimes don't know when to worry when to be afraid and they don't always they haven't always learned when to make the most as well of prime attacking positions so they I think they're a team that I I don't quite trust yet in crucial games now say they are at home in the final group uh, game against Sevilla and they need to win I feel like they could find themselves bullied a bit by veterans, whether it's a Diego Carlos or Rakitic, you know, a Campos and Lamella as well. I feel like there is still a naivety to them that it's going to be really hard for them to shake off because every week they go and tonk whatever team they faced in, in the Austrian league and play wonderful football. And then when they kind of meet a team that's a match for them, they can't always control the game. This was an amazing game. Wolfsburg severe. Uh, Nemecha's goal, fantastic. Wolfsburg looked like they're um, turning the corner with their new head coach as well. So this group is the one I think it's the one that the football hipster with the glasses and the beard totally. and the stupid haircut, it's the one he would tell you, you've got to watch, but you do have to watch the next two games in this yeah. one. Like, I tell you what, the- man, you got to look at this group and <laughs> listen to the greatest, uh, to the latest album by some band that you've never heard of. And then you're like, okay, fine. Uh, that's not by the way. Vinyl connection, like right behind me, <laughs> right behind the laptop here. So I could put on like some. We <laughs> well, I have a better one for you here. There's Norris with uh, Sevilla still haven't found what they're looking oh. for. Oh boy. But who gets out of that group? Uh, Salzburg and Wolfsburg, let's say. I still think Salzburg will just about do it, but I think they will make it harder for themselves. Yeah. Throw that one back at you, though. Well, no, I I agree. I think it's exactly the same thing. I think Sevilla, actually, is going to be a good thing that they just don't take part of this because like Inter Milan, not making it into the knockout stages last season and winning Scudetto, Sevilla is really pushing to win La Liga. And I think in this situation, I know Champions League knockout stages is important financially, uh, just club-wise in general, but not being in uh, European competition or at the very least 
you know, from the knockout stages in the Champions League might help them as they fight for La Liga, by the way. But then there's things that maybe they'll just get that Europa League and then they'll win it again, etc. So, no, you know, Emery's going to win it with Newcastle, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> something. He'll win something. Um, all right. We're going to come back to Chelsea uh, by the way. I want to quickly talk about Chelsea because Jimmy Conrad is just wrapping up. He's going to join us soon. But James Bench, give me some thoughts on Chelsea as, uh, I mean, they didn't need Lukaku. They didn't need Werner. They took care of business once again. As you mentioned, Malmo, thank you for coming. But, you know, this is pretty much it. Yeah, this felt like the Chelsea of last season, not just not just because Lukaku wasn't there, but because they created loads of shooting opportunities. They dominated possession. But you were like, yeah, who's scoring the goals here? And credit to Callum Hudson-Odoi, brilliant cutback, brilliant work down the left. Havertz helped as well there. And then uh, Ziyech provides the finishing touch. A great also. cross in that one. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, this is, this is the guy that's what the probably eighth choice attacker you know i mean yeah. and then even now with this huge injury crisis no mount no lukaku no no verna he's still able to bring uh pulisic off the bench we'll come come on to talk about him a bit more no doubt there's great depth to have when you know your fringe players are 50 million pound players um yeah i mean and otherwise look you know Malmo christensen's been the only player i thought really looked champions league standard i don't don't think he he was available today mm. and yeah, they they just they, they just ain't it, I'm afraid. Um, no, it was a very man. difficult one for them. I mean, uh, Malmo had 27% possession, and Chelsea do like their possession, but 22 shots <laughs> as well. Uh, so, you know, it was definitely a long evening, afternoon for Malmo, and Chelsea get that win. And Chelsea, they're, they're still, you know, their job is not done in terms of qualifying to the knockout stage, obviously, you would think it would happen, but topping the group would be important for Thomas Tuchel, making sure that he gets one uh, over Juventus. Jimmy Conrad is in the house. Uh, I want to get some thoughts from Jimmy C. Cheers, Cheers, Jeff. Hey, what's up? It's just a cheers, LME, and cheers, James Bench. How are you guys doing? I'm good. How are you, Jimmy Conrad? Absolutely buzzing. I went on CBS Sports HQ and said that Ronaldo was going to score the last goal plus 170, and it was going to be a 2-2 draw with Ronaldo scoring that goal. I mean, it's all happening for me. Prediction oh, status yeah. Confirmed. Prediction yeah. King status confirmed. Yeah. By the way, I did too. I did well, too, as you well. Did. I said Leroy Sané would do something, Duvan Zapata. But, hey, you're the prediction king. Well done. Hey, listen, we're just talking about Chelsea. Did it feel good? to see your Lord and Savior, Christian Pulisic, return. Of course. I'm trying to get my conductor's outfit on. The hype train is real, everybody. Let's go. He got 15 minutes in this one. Hopefully, he gets about 30 to 45 against Burnley. So, he's got about 60 in him against for Mexico in about 10 days' time. I'm here for it. And uh couldn't happen at a perfect time for U.S. men's national team fans. Well, we're moving on to the Americans in action or not for the Champions League of today. So, let's begin uh, with where you thought you liked what you saw. I mean, Weston McKenney, Timothy Weah, Brendan Aronson, Brooks. Uh, what would you like? Yeah, I was a big fan of Weston McKenney. I thought he was very good today. I, I like when he gets in advanced positions in the ball and when Dabala drops back in or Murata drops back in, he's always going to get past them. And I think it's hard as a defender sometimes to know to whether to step with the ball in the midfield or have to drop off because there is somebody keeping you honest in that capacity. And I like that Weston McKinney is willing to make those runs because I don't 90% of those runs don't 
amount to anything, at least from his perspective, even though it's giving more time to those other players to do their thing. I thought Chiesa was ex excellent today. But Dybala, I mean, that guy has six goals and three assists in 10 games, I think, in all competitions this season. Yeah. In 26 games last season, he only had, I think, five and three, you know? So he's already taken big steps and taking on more responsibility since CR7 left. But uh, with regard to McKinney, I thought he was probably the standout performer from an American perspective. I know everyone likes getting, you know, you guys like getting excited about your high quality young <laughs> American talent. Uh, did anyone watch Jonathan Brooks today? Yeah, I saw a little bit of of what he was doing. Yeah. What, I'm, no? I'm worried. It's <laughs> it's not good, is it? It's not looking great at the moment. Here comes the cloud, the British cloud. I, that is I, I kind of feel like James Benz wants to say he looks like a giraffe on roller skates. I really feel like he's <laughs> going that direction. That's like a Look, it's, it's hard. A it's hard defending Karim Adeyemi. It's hard defending against that that Salzburg four four two, and he certainly made it look hard. <laughs> I just I, I I worry that I worry that you know he. He he always feels like a, a player with a mistake in him. And actually, maybe he didn't make one today. But maybe what he needs to learn, and it's strange when you look at his physical attributes, he's, he's tall, he, he's pretty quick on the deck, he's actually decent with the ball at his feet. But he never seems to impose himself on, uh, mm. on, on, on forwards. I mean, you guys watch a lot more USMNT than me, like... Is this really a worry? Oh, come on. It's not like we watch Peru over here, LME. Uh, <laughs> hey, only Peruvians way. have to watch Peru. Nobody else watches it. <laughs> I, I'll jump in real quick, Benj, and say that with regard to John Anthony Brooks, I think where he started to get somewhat found out for this particular season was the game against Canada when he got outrun by Kyle Lahren in the middle of the field when Alfonso Davies got behind us and – he was with him. He, he could have stayed with him, and he didn't. And I feel like we're missing that 10% from John Anthony Brooks right now. That really separates him from being considered one of the best defenders, young defenders in the Bundesliga, to now being kind of like, to your point, he's not really imposing his will. He's not putting his stamp on the game. He's not, he's not uh, demonstrating that presence that we, when we think about a world-class defender, they have that presence, and everybody kind of elevates their game around them because you don't want to disappoint it. Virgil van Dijk at his peak obviously has that type yeah. of presence. And that's who John Anthony Brooks should be trying to emulate is is is, is that Virgil – maybe not Virgil van Dijk this season, but, but uh, you know, when he was healthy and ready to go. Do you start him against Mexico, Jimmy Conrad? <sighs> I think he will start. I think maybe seeing him this weekend, you know, one more game. I don't know. It's one of those things. As Greg Berhalter, the national team coach, how do you talk to this type of player – I'm not saying he's in the Harry Kane-esque area, but I feel like, do you put your arm around him and say, hey, you know, keep him up, get all warm and fuzzy? Or do you say, hey, dude, like you're going to lose your spot if you don't get your shit together, you know? And I feel like we're at that point where we have to make a decision on which path we're going to go. And I don't know if that path of warm and fuzzy's really worked out. So it might be have to be the ass-kicking one. And I don't know how that's being communicated by the coaching staff, either from Wolfsburg's perspective at the club level or even at the the national team level as well. It's, it's a good one. I would say he probably will start just given his experience and, and maybe being able to shed all that other stuff and, and just focusing on the task at hand, knowing that he's played against Mexico a few times, whereas maybe some of our younger defenders haven't. So I think he probably will get the nod just due to that experience alone. All right, so let's go back to Christian Pulisic for a second. Let's begin with James Mench. Do you think Pulisic came on, had his minutes finally returning? Do you see him getting enough minutes starting? against Burnley uh, this weekend? Does he look that he's ready? You've watched a lot of Chelsea. What do you think? Mm -hmm. uh, I, th I think Jimmy is probably right that that it may be near 45 minutes. He might come in. It helped that Ziyech had a good game from a Chelsea yeah. perspective. So I don't think he starts from the outset, but I think he gets a really good run-up. I'm more intrigued 
Um, I, I wonder if Thomas Tuchel will speak about this as to how Tuchel will feel about him going to join the USMNT because he is one of the best players in the squad. You know, fantastic game winner for this team, especially we've seen it against Mexico. And Mexico will know that. Um, uh, I think it, it's fair to say that Chelsea were quite worried about the robust treatment that a player that just came back from COVID got, you know, in those CONCACAF qualifiers um, back in September, wasn't it? And, they, you know, they will worry about this. And I know he's not a player that is indispensable to them. but I, and, and there's probably nothing Chelsea can do. But it's, it's a really tough thing for Chelsea, for Pulisic, that he's going to kind of go from a couple of games off the bench to one of the biggest games in the international calendar, one of the biggest games of his year, that's going to be hard for him. I'll say really quick that the benefit that maybe the national team and Greg Berhalter can say to Thomas Tuchel, we only have two games this window. Mm. We, we can be a little bit more thoughtful about, you know, how we're going to use all of our players. There's going to be a little bit more time to rest in between. And we want to make sure our communication is open with you. That said, I think the one person that can determine his fate is Christian Pulisic. Like, if he doesn't feel like he's 100% and ready to go, then maybe he doesn't come. I, I find that hard to believe because at home, especially against Mexico, we're going to need his presence. Even if he doesn't start for us. Yeah, that's what I was going to get. Having him there still doesn't just like put fear into Mexico, but but it still gives them that element of, Question when is this guy going to show up? You yeah. know, and, and even if he comes off the bench, I mean, honestly, I would take Pulisic for 30 minutes off the bench because it's imagine, exactly the same. Exactly. Go on, no, say it. If, you Tecatito, say if, Te if Tecatito Corona was injured or Chucky Lozano was injured and he's coming back and there's a chance of even just seeing 20 minutes, that's going to question Mark Greg Berhalter. It's the same thing here. Mm -hmm. So to your point, Jimmy, go ahead. Carry on. No, no, no. I just think if I was a tired defender and I'm chasing around everybody for 60 minutes and then Christian Pulisic comes on and the crowd's getting crazy and the game's tight, I would be pissed. <laughs> yeah, I've played in a Copa America game before playing against Argentina and they brought on Carlos Tevez, you know, with 15 minutes left and we're already chasing Argentina all over the place. And I was like, this is, an un this is unfair. This shouldn't, this shouldn't be legal to bring on Carlos Tevez when I'm dead tired chasing around Crespo and Raquel Bay and Messi. And it was, it was a joke. So I would feel the same way. Uh, in that particular moment, if that happens. And I think that's a good weapon for us to have, knowing that we have that type of depth, that we can maybe start a Brendan Aronson. We could put Serginho Dest up in the wing at this particular moment. He is playing there pretty regularly with Barcelona, and we could potentially put Joe Scally in, who's playing very well for Borussia Mönchengladbach at that right back spot, Anthony Robinson on the left. And I think we might have solved some of our problems, but a lot of these players haven't played together before, so you have to throw that into the equation as well. Yeah, well, one thing is for sure, Christian Pulisic uh, entered the pitch, and that felt good for both Chelsea and US MNT fans. Uh, we're going to wrap things up, by the way, but just uh, quickly breaking down a few things. First of all, Jimmy, uh, James, Benj, and I were just talking about some some of the most memorable things from today, specifically about the teams that made it into the knockout stages, Juventus, but most importantly, Bayern Munich, who just keep delivering. It doesn't matter who plays up front. It doesn't, as long as Robert Lewandowski as well is healthy and good to go. James Bench obviously brought up the point. They scored a, he scored a hat-trick, but missed a penalty. That's how good he is. Like, you expect everything to go in. How good are Bayern? They're in the knockout stages. Do they remain a top favorite for you? Yeah, 100%. I mean, they just need to tighten things up in the back a little bit. I thought their performance on match day three against Benfica in Portugal was very good. It was a 4-0 win. It was tight until about the 70th minute when Leroy Sané had that free kick that went in and kind of unlocked everything for Bayern. They relaxed and went out and got a couple more goals. Same thing today, but they're a little loose on set pieces, sometimes laps, have lapses in concentration. 
If they can get that side of it sorted out, they're going to be very tough to beat. And I say that when I think about Nabry on one side and Leroy Sané, who's really taking bigger steps this year to be more consistent. His goal was so well taken today. Maybe one of the goals of match day uh, yeah, Just four echoing here. James Benj. so great when our colleagues so are just so in zinc. I love it. I love it. All right. We're going to wrap things up with just uh, Villarreal beating young boys, but less about the game and more Unai Emery. If you go back to our uh, clips, episodes, and of course on podcast. Uh, James Benj and I talked about both Antonio Conte and Unai Emery as this week is closing in. Jimmy Conrad, Newcastle supporter. Was this Villarreal's last game with Unai Emery? Are you excited about Unai Emery? Thoughts on Unai Emery? Uh, I would be excited to have him. Obviously, his experience with Arsenal, he knows the league, so it wouldn't be his first foray into the Premier League. He wouldn't be a, a, a new quarter. It wouldn't be a new you know, experience for him and have to adapt to anything in, in particular. So I think it'd be a great hire. He was, really wasn't on my radar at all. I didn't think he would be available. But I think there are some rumblings behind the scenes. Villarreal's league form wasn't very good last season. They just won the Europa League. Not that great this season either, but they're still doing well in Europe. So I thought that's the funny part is that Unai Emery maybe doesn't kill it domestically, but he's good in Europe. But it might take him a couple seasons to get Newcastle into Europe. I don't know. But I do think that his style and his methodology could be a nice guy to have for a year or two until you bring in the next one. But I think he's a type of manager that could recruit some good players and, and maybe like Dan Juma in particular, he scored today. Nice signing from Bournemouth. Really Bournemouth didn't really think he was going to turn into anything. And, and via realities, he's found new life, you know? And I think Emery has that, that type of, uh, you know, vibe about him that I think he can maybe attract some good players, which I think is going to be very important with regard to who they hire as manager. Yeah. Yeah. Just picking up on what Jimmy said there and something I reported on CBS earlier. Um, he has told New whether or not that he ends up in the job. He has told Newcastle the players he, he wants. I don't have a full list of names, but from what I'm told, uh, he <laughs> expects, Bobby, to be, Holland. <laughs> expects to be allowed to spend quite a bit of money to strengthen this squad. Um, but also <laughs> what, what you have need? Newcastle. <laughs> Why would he need to? Because uh, this is the guy that brought Joe Willock to the forefront of football. And, you know, maybe he's going to get the best out of Joe Willock again. Um, and that's all he needs. But yeah, you know, <laughs> it's still it's still up for grabs. Villarreal are doing this thing that Spanish teams often do where they say, look, you know, there's not been an official approach yet. And I'll tell you why there's not been an official approach yet. Because Newcastle will turn up and pay his release clause. And then yeah. it will be up to Emery to make that decision. I believe their owner as well said in Spanish radio that, no, no, whatever. Uh, by the way, and if it happens, we have a replacement. So that yeah. pretty much tells you everything you need to know. But yes, like Jimmy said at the beginning, kind of out of the blue, this one. But we'll see how that one develops. Regardless, Villarreal uh, win against Young Boys, a, a pretty good victory. And I believe that's probably the best way that Unai Emery wants to finish off the Champions League, at least with Villarreal. Right then. That was it. That was our Champions League Tuesday recap. Before we say goodbye, always welcome the final thoughts from these two gentlemen. So, James Bench, let's begin with you. Final thoughts. I mean, right now, my, my thoughts are entirely just that uh, gif from Breaking Bad. <laughs> Whatever the guy's name is, my mind's gone blank. But, you know, he can't keep getting away with this. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> Well, I just want, I just want to add that I feel like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer should be giving his paycheck to Cristiano Ronaldo yeah, at this half point. of it at least right? <laughs> at the very least that's that's half and that's my final thought but I can't wait for tomorrow tomorrow's match day is going to be sick I can't wait to see Liverpool versus Atletico Madrid Luis Suarez going back to Anfield for the first time since they got upset uh, when he was on Barcelona in that famous game so so 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one in particular. But uh, AC Milan need to win to stay alive in this as well against Porto. So, so many great, great games tomorrow. Absolutely. Just to echo that, uh, AC Milan against Porto, Real Madrid against Shakhtar Donetsk, Liverpool, Atleti, Sheriff, Inter, Sporting. Go on, Sheriff. Dortmund against Ajax. That should be a good one. Leipzig, Jesse Marsh against PSG and Man City against Club Brugge. That is it from Kego Lasso. Don't forget to subscribe, Kego Lasso. YouTube.com forward slash Kego Lasso. We're so close to 4,000 subscribers. Let's keep it going, baby. But Jimmy Conrad, thank you so much, my man. Thank you, guys. Always a pleasure. James Bench, I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Don't forget to follow us everywhere you see Kego Lasso, especially on Twitter, Kego Lasso Pod. We will see you next time. Enjoy the rest of your evening.